Hey everybody, my name's Tony Barnes. I've always been fascinated by people. Everyone I meet, I try to hear as much of their story in whatever brief moment in time we share. Even the most average-seeming human could have a captivating story. This show is about unlocking the stories of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and those whose names have positively influenced the communities they serve that maybe I haven't met yet, but can't wait to. This show is simply called More or Less with Tony Barnes. Moore is in Moore County, the beautiful southern North Carolina community that many of us call home. And because some of these stories need to be shared much more. Less, as in less serious, lighthearted conversations with one-of-a-kind humans about how they do more. Yeah. He's been around for... Here yeah, for we've been here 40 years, almost 40 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 87. Yeah. 87. Was it 87? Okay. When we moved thought, here. Oh, really? I thought I was like three or two when we were here. You were, Heather was two, you were oh. three or four. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, we moved here in 87. I know that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Well, anyway, if you're, uh, we're here, Moore, Moore, County, uh, Moore County's finest mother here is my, my mom, <laughs> Barbara Barnes. Uh, you better say have, that. I don't have any reason to argue because my mom's not in Moore County. Okay, there you go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this is a very special um, time for me. I'm actually nervous. I'm interviewing my mom here. I'm worried that she's going to give a whole bunch of embarrassing stories of my childhood to the public, you know, all 40 listeners that we that's, have. That's why I agreed. Oh, okay. <laughs> mom, just don't tell them how I wet the bed till I was like 30, okay? Oh, just, <laughs> Tony! It's not true for all you listening out there. <laughs> Wait, did I just give an embarrassing story about myself? That, oh, yeah. God, I mean, okay. Again? again. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this should be called Embarrassing Moments with Tony Barnes. <laughs> Caught on tape for everyone to hear. <laughs> yep, yep. This is, uh, this is fun. We're going to have a fun time. We're here, as always, with Frank Daniels, executive producer. We That's have, me. We're trying to come up with some nicknames for him. Frankie D, Frankie I think, is the, is the winner yeah. so far. Um, I and like it. Tony just told me, because he's always just called you mom, I had just asked, and your name's Barbara. Oh, yeah. maybe I Yes, should, but he can call me mom. Yeah, maybe okay. I should tell you, yeah. tell the listeners that the actual <laughs> name of my mother. <laughs> no, that's what, you know, that's why it's I just did ma. it. Yeah. It's just yeah. ma. Just ma. Yeah, just yeah, ma. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, very, very fortunate for me, you know, I uh, wouldn't be sitting here today doing the things that I'm doing in this county or anywhere without my mother. So uh, she was the biggest supporter of mine uh, through the thick and thin uh, when I decided to quit in college and going yes. to Na- going to Nashville to be a famous musician was a do good you, idea. Do you listen much to these podcasts? Yeah. She's heard a few of them. I'm trying to, try to listen, yeah. He tries to make sure to apologize. Yeah, yeah. I, I say sorry, Mom, a lot. Yeah. He so. does, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's a little nerve-wracking because she's right here. So right. I, can't, I, I can actually say sorry, Mom. Yeah. Um, okay. But hopefully we won't get it. Because um, we've always just assumed that you've forgiven him. Yeah. <laughs> How could I not forgive him? Oh, thank you, Mom. You're making me He's one of my favorite children. Oh, Oh, Bo, Bo and I Heather said one listening. of them. I said one okay, of them. Okay. So there's three. Well, so yeah, one, one of your three, top right. three favorite children. Yes, yeah, he's one of my top three favorite children. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, Heather and Bo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the favorite. See, I twisted those I words. Didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't you uh, twist those things around? I uh, know. Uh, I won't do any special editing to make that the case. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the good news is they won't listen to this anyway. So. <laughs> Probably not. They don't uh, have time. But yeah, I don't even think my sister listened to. Uh, we interviewed her because she runs the bookshop. 
Mm-hmm. We interviewed her on the other uh, podcast. I don't even think she listened to that one. <laughs> Can't even get the guests right. to listen to their own podcast, man. Come on, seriously. Sad. Yeah, that's and we. That's that's our hope is that now we're getting. To, well, we've had like maybe close to thirty guests, twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. Mm, we're I think we're is in it? the twenty twenty five. I mean, this is episode twenty two. So oh, okay. If we count all the guests, we're close to thirty. Oh, there you go. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we've had a couple with. Uh, you know, a number of guests. So that's our idea is just to keep doing this every week so that eventually we have at least one new listener that listen right, to their own right, podcast. Every, right. So after a thousand, we'll have <laughs> yeah, a thousand yeah, listeners. We'll yeah. set. That'd be great. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, where, where are we going with that? We're, we're, I think that, I mean, we're yeah, going, we're, we're going, going we're going good. Yeah. We started great here. So, um, anyway, uh, so thank you mom for, for having me. Sure. Like, literally. Yes. Having me. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it because I wouldn't be here. That's right. If you didn't have mm-hmm. me. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for uh, for finding more county because I certainly, even though I've been bounced around a lot of places in my life, this is my home now and I love it. And mm-hmm. I'm proud that I, we grew up here and, and the, the Lord certainly blessed us uh, finding this place. So very yep. happy with that. Been a lot mm-hmm. of places and there's not very many that are close to how cool this place is. So. You know. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, um, North Carolina is a lovely state. I always, when I moved away, I always wanted to come back, and then after moving here, I think it'd be hard. It'd be hard to compare mm-hmm. anywhere else. Yeah, really, a lot of good stuff here. So, and we've interviewed a lot of good people from this county, and now we get to interview my ma. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we'll stop stalling here. Um, so, mom, uh, how much do you love me? <laughs> Sorry, you didn't know beyond measure. <laughs> okay, all right, nice. Mm-hmm. All right, nice. more than more my than... brother and sister, right? No, <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm sorry. Heather. I love you all equally. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Heather will will tattle on me if I. Uh... I know she will. <laughs> she, she was the tattle. My younger sister yes, was the tattletale. Was. Yeah, <laughs> Bo and I. But that's she... how I found out everything you and Bo did. Oh goodness gracious! Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, yeah, we got in a lot of trouble. With yes, um, you did. But yeah, it's uh. Now I'm getting payback because I have a daughter and a son, and and they mm-hmm. both fight like wild animals. So you know. Um, yeah. But and, and well, you know, there's there's not the tattletale yet, the the young tattletale, but maybe there'll be one. There, there will be. Oh, no. There will maybe, be. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always think back to the time I told on myself because I hurt my brother, and I was like, <laughs> really? Like, oh yeah, I looked. Really? I ran. Like a perfect child or something. Really? I was you like, are. Well, I just w- wanted to be them. <laughs> beat him to the punch oh, so I, gotcha. like, I heard him and i ran and i was like i hurt joe <laughs> that's smart actually yeah, P- yeah. preemptive strike you right. know? Exactly. Yeah. that's smart we weren't that smart when we were kids we just, no uh, you guys <laughs> weren't this instant like you, you hit you hit him and then instantly don't tell mom i'm sorry don't tell mom <laughs> right. so, yeah. uh, but, i think i figured that it would get out of anyway yeah. so yeah, might oh, as yeah. well have get there right away i mean like literally i heard him i stopped and then i turned and ran and said, <laughs> yeah and then um and and we'll let what well, well, i'll tell you a story uh and i'll let mom <laughs> embellish on it as a parent because i'm gonna get i'm sure get uh payback for the rest of my life with my kids and this but uh <laughs> i feel like we in the 90s you know it was just like you know it, it was just different you know 80s 90s it was like you know just go just go down there near that body of water you can't swim mm-hmm. that's okay don't yeah. go fishing and just yell at me from 500 yards away if, if you're in trouble you right. know like uh, so we, you know we had a lot of different uh, injuries as kids but we survived and probably better for it um but there was one that uh, i remember all three of us 
and tell me your horror about this story, Mom, because uh, we were running. We had a, little, a hallway in, in the house off Hoffman Road where we lived when we were growing up. And, uh, and all three of us, my brother and my younger sister, my older brother and my younger sister were, were like chasing each other and just going back and forth around this hallway. And so, like, just my brother was in front. He looked back. And then he hit the uh, the wall and turned around. And as he turned around, I was looking back at my sister who was following me. And then I turned around and Bo and I hit foreheads. And uh, mm-hmm. he got a big bruise, but I started bleeding profusely. <laughs> so, yes. I can't imagine that. I hope that never happens with my there's kids. No, well, there's oh. nothing like... There's no bleeding like face. Like head bleeding. Yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. So well, just tell me about your feelings there, Mom. <laughs> there was a pool well, of blood. It's- it's like first I was madder than heck because <laughs> you were running in the house again uh-huh. after each other. I know. And then know. it was like, oh my gosh, okay, we got to do something about this. <laughs> you know, so profusely. I can't. You didn't get any stitches though, I did, did you? You yeah. did. I got a scar. I, don't even I got twelve that. stitches in my forehead. I still remember it. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Well, I didn't remember that part. <laughs> you blocked you know, it out. Your mom's <laughs> older here, dear. Um, well, blocked I blocked it out. It out. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, we just you know <laughs> I was madder than heck at Bo, and of course he had a big bump too. Uh-huh. I think, and you know, and then Heather was just laughing. <laughs> she was getting paid. <laughs> she back thought it was funny. Yeah, that's right. And cause... I said, okay, so, but your time is coming. Oh, I'm just telling you. Because well, you're no. going to have broken arms. Uh, you're going to have, you know, they're going to be fighting each other. And scare last night. Oh, yeah. no. Wade dropped a glass. Oh, oh gosh. Yikes. And yeah, luckily, I mean, he got a little cut, but it was just a tiny cut. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, those yeah. things are. But that's just the way kids are. Payback, yeah. You know? And yeah. older kids, like you were, I think you were old enough to know better know. to do what you did. <laughs> that's right. But that doesn't make a difference when you're in a younger child or, you know, that's adolescence. Right. And, and Heather got the short end of the stick with all of us. I feel, I feel bad. Oh, yeah. I feel a little bit bad. Not a lot of No, bad, you don't. <laughs> now that we're grown, you know, uh, Heather used to get because there's two boy older boys and then she was the young youngest and she was a girl. So she was always getting the short end of the stick with us, We, you know, and and, and uh, I remember, unfortunately, we were up in Virginia with uh, my cousins and we were at this big yard uh, field across from the play by play is she's shaking her head right now and just put her hand head in her hand and started shaking her head. And, uh, Lord knows. There, yeah, there was I don't a, know how Heather survived. Oh, my God. God, I know. I just don't know. Yeah, thank Go God ahead. was looking out for her for sure. <laughs> but there's this church uh, across the street in this busy, busy neighborhood in, in uh, Chesapeake or yeah. North Ch- mm-hmm. Chesapeake, mm-hmm. Virginia, uh, in a busy highway, like right in the middle of it. So across the street, busy highway, church, big yard, like big field. So we were out there hitting golf balls, you know, um, in the field. Uh, and I don't even, you couldn't make this, uh, Tiger Woods couldn't have hit this shot, you know, even more perfect. It, it was, uh, you know, my cousin's like, hey, you just watch out for the balls, guys. We're on the other end and we're just like hitting them back and forth. And he goes, he hits it and he says, four. <laughs> you know, and then my, my, it hits my sister right in the nose from mm-hmm. like 100 yards away, 120 yards away. She instantly screams and yells and she runs and she's running straight for the house across the busy intersection without really? looking. Gosh. And it's like, I'm like, like in, in horror, you know, because she's just screaming and her nose is bleeding and she's running across the highway. And I'm like, no, thank God she didn't die that day. Yeah, but, um, but needless to say, mm-hmm. my parents were really mad at us. Yeah. And all that. we heard was her screaming with blood on her, oh. you know, coming out her nose when Yikes. she got up to the house. And it was like, we just went crazy. Oh. Yeah, and um, we ended up rushing her to the emergency room, oh, you know, and gosh. all that stuff. And I'm thank sorry. God. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. 
Sorry, Mom. Like I said, you know, poor little Heather, she just wanted to, she wanted to be around them and the family, you know, and, the you know, the, her brothers and all this stuff. And we had, you know, she had cousins up there, too. And so they were all in the field. But no, it hits Heather, you know. <laughs> she did always draw the short end of the stick. I know. She I'm did. Sorry. I don't know what it was. I'm sorry, Heather. We did, I didn't physically hit her, but, you know, I'm still yeah. sorry about it. So, um, well, you know, anyway. Um, but sorry to tell all the horror stories of our childhood. <laughs> That's not all of them, trust me. Oh, yeah, right. There's a lot. Broken bones and everything else. But uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, I'm sorry for telling all the stories. I was wanting you to tell some stories today, Mom. But, uh, you know, well, I have a story you didn't tell. Oh, God, please don't tell it. The fish hook Oh in yeah, your forehead. Yes, yeah. yeah, tell us your, your disgust okay. and horror about that. Well, the kids were down at the pond near uh-huh. our house, and they were fishing. Mm-hmm. Bo, Tony, and Heather. <laughs> and I don't think anybody was was uh, somebody with you. I don't know. No. I don't but think anyway, um, you know, we have always told them, you know, you watch behind you when you cast out <laughs> into the water. Mm-hmm. Well, Bo, being the older brother that he is, and irresponsible that he was, <laughs> he didn't say look out. So Tony was behind him. Well, the fish hook ended up right there above his was left eye. Really was it close. your left eye? It was really yeah, close, real to, my close eye. to the like eye. It was my eyebrow. And it hooked in. <laughs> it was, it one, was of one of those treble hooks, those real three yeah. sharp ones. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right here. So we're up at the house, of course, you know, and here they come screaming. But Tony's up there, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> Bo's holding the fish hook. I was about to ask. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Excuse me. Behind him, <laughs> I still hold the fish. And I'm just looking, and I'm just shaking my head again. It's like, oh my gosh! So oh, no. we cut the fish hook off of it, you know, the wire. The wire, yeah. And we ended up going to the emergency room. <laughs> well, we sat there, and they just couldn't believe it. Yeah. People in the emergency room, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, and um, so they couldn't get the barbed out. You know, like pulling it back out because it was had that hook. Wait, in it. was it? Still under your skin, it didn't come oh, out oh, back yeah. through. Yeah, it oh, just wow. went through the skin. Thank God, yeah, it didn't, it didn't go eye. into anything in his eye or nothing. Mm-hmm. Thank God, you know, yeah. God was with you again. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can say. <laughs> God has saved you guys so many times, <laughs> and um, so they eventually cut the barb off and then pulled it back through. And I don't, you know, mm-hmm. but he was. He was livid to oh, yeah. begin with from Bo, you know, oh, yeah. for doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then he was scared to death, yeah. you know, but we were all thankful that he didn't have any serious damage. You know, <laughs> they got it out. But that's a story I'll remember till I yeah. die. But yeah. I, I do re- weirdly remember this because how old was I, like eight or something? Yeah, eight or nine. Eight or nine. I do remember uh, that y'all were kind of, once you realized it wasn't very serious, mm-hmm. there was people laughing at me. <laughs> Like, like I was like so crying and right. sad, but I remember like I think mom and the nurse were kind of, kind of chuckled because yeah, I we had were. a fish hook in my above my eye, you know, when they I knew said, it wasn't this is one for the books, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. So you know, strange I, things, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, well, hopefully I don't have to go to the emergency room as much as we made you go to the emergency room as kids with my kids. So mm-hmm. it's good um, I had insurance. Yeah, that's right. all I can say. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so. and you worked at the hospital for a while, so you at mm-hmm. least knew a lot of the. Ins and yeah. outs of hospitals. Oh, so yeah. It wasn't okay. so scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, I worked in the hospital for the first 10 years we were here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 or 12. Well, 20 years, I guess. Oh, well, wow. at first I worked in the lab because I was a lab tech. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into histology, which is um, pathology, where you do tissue mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. make slides out of tissues like biopsies and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I worked there for about 10 more years. 
I guess it was about 20 years. Wow, that, I didn't realize prefix, it was that long. Yeah. Hysterectomy and histology, are they re- is that related because no. of the word? No. <laughs> no. no. The only thing that's related is that you get something out of the body. Right. And, uh, the histology is where you take, a, take the tissue and you process it a certain way, and then you make a slide out of it for the pathologist to look at the cells to okay. see if there's any cancer or any problems. Mm, yeah. so, okay. But yeah. um, then I got out of that. So, but um, yeah, so I knew all the people in the hospital, especially at that time when he was in there with this little fish hook. So, yes, that's why we were laughing. It wasn't because we were, you know, being mean. It was all mentally scarred that you guys were laughing. It's just like, oh my gosh. Leave it to the Barnes boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And I, anyway. I learned a lot from my older brother. He was the one that always got caught. You know? Like, right. I learned how not to get caught doing stupid stuff, you know, for the most part, you know. Mm. But uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so we told a little bit uh, about how we, uh, you know, the early years of your, your career here and stuff mm-hmm. in Moore County. Um, it's changed a lot since then, hasn't it? Sure has. Yeah. yeah. When we got people. here in 87, it was just a small little Moore County, you know, there was hardly any houses out and, you know, off of 211 going to West End and all farmland was in in West End, you know, there wasn't hardly any developments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess now, and even Pinehurst, Pinehurst was, you know, there weren't as many houses, like Pine Wild wasn't even there, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was all farmland. And uh, Roseland Road, you know, back that way was all farmland. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was nice. And we moved here because we were in Chesapeake, Virginia. My husband and I were in the military. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was in the Air – both of us were in the Air Force, and that's where we actually met. So he was from Chesapeake, Virginia. So we went back there when we got out of the military in 76, and we had gotten married. And, um, you know, Chesapeake was – all farmland too but then we were there for 10 years and during that time they based a new naval base there and aircraft carriers and stuff and that place just populated within 10 years to Mm -hmm. like three times the amount of population that was there because of the military that was brought in and the families so we decided that we were going to come down here to um you know his uncle ronnie barnes came here to go to Sand Hills Community College on a baseball scholarship. Yeah, that was so that tells you then. how long huh. ago that was. Yeah. Yeah. He came down here on a baseball scholarship and we had come to visit him several times. And we really liked the area and the laid back, you know, Virginia was so high tech or not high tech, but you know, bustle. Bustle. Well, I mean, it's close up there to D C so I feel mm-hmm. like it's always kind of yeah, like and then plus now, Virginia Beach is right around the corner. Actually, oh, Chesapeake, yeah. Virginia Beach, and Norfolk are all conglomerated together. Okay. So we had a lot of tourists there, and we had a lot of beach traffic, and the roads were horrendous up there. You know, they have these little service roads that go to nowhere. <laughs> I'm serious. But you can't get on the service road because – you can't find the air, where to get on it. <laughs> but it goes to where you want to go, and you can't go across the median to get there. Yeah. So you have to find the service road. <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. – but anyway, that's – so we decided we were going to move down here. You know, and Tony was – Tony was three. No, Heather was two. Tony was going on four. Mm. And Bo was six. And he was going to start school, you know, mm. kinder, or first grade. So we decided to move down here. So we packed up the – 
the station the wagon. Oh, the station wagon. I forgot about the station wagon. They didn't have yeah. vans back then. Yeah. It was a station wagon. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> it had the seat in the back. I do remember yeah. this now. Love mm-hmm. those. Face the, Love those. Yeah. And your impending doom if somebody yeah. rear-ends you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> was it what, like the Oldsmobile, like the Woody? Oldsmobile, yes, the wood oh, yeah. side, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah, so we packed her up and moved down here in 87, and um, we've been so happy and blessed since because Moore County has just been wonderful. And, you know, the schools are good, you know, um, we think. <laughs> since the 90s, I They guess. were good. Let me just say that. I don't know about now. but um, They'll get there you know, again by the time my so. kids. I hope time. so. That's all I'm, I'm just amazed at everything that's going on, but we won't get into that. Um, yeah, we, we, that's, a, that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Political stuff. So, um, Which we, we do steer clear of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But we – you know, we had a. It's been very nice, and we've watched Moore County grow, and you know they got more and more stuff and things like that. But um, you know, it's really been. We've enjoyed being here, like you said. It's laid back. We were amazed when we came down here, because people would just wave to you, on the as you go by them on the road. And Lloyd kept looking at me and saying, what is he waving at me? I don't know him. You know, but everybody was waving, yeah. you know, and it was like they were so friendly. In Virginia, you didn't, your neighbor didn't even talk to you. I mean, you were, you were like, you know, you didn't even know who your neighbor was <laughs> so, because that's just the way it was up there. And it was so different when we had come to visit. And then, of course, his um, – Daddy was into uh, racing. Mm-hmm. NASCAR. He, um, NASCAR. <laughs> so he would come down for the Rockingham race. Okay, I was about to ask, was yeah. he was he into actually racing or? No, he was he, just he wanted, a spectator. Okay. But he yeah. knew Ricky Rudd. He went to school with Ricky Rudd. Okay. Who, um, you know, so he would, and his brother was here, so they would always go to the Rockingham race and they'd talk to Ricky. You know, he'd always invite him up to the VIP thing and <laughs> stuff. So it was nice to have that contact. But yeah. Yeah. So um, he was real upset when Rockingham closed. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I can't believe they closed this to open one in California, California or somewhere. Yeah. You know, oh, is that what happened? That's what happened. Yeah, they yeah. expanded a lot. I think around that time, mm-hmm. out, all the way out west and stuff. It was yeah, growing in popularity. So. Right. So, um, but anyway, so we had known the area, but like I said, we just really enjoyed living here because it was people were so nice, and they still are. You know, um, and it's just a nice place to raise your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. you know what I'm saying. That's it's, what we feel. Yeah, it's just a nice place to raise your kids. The schools, I haven't really, you know, the schools they went to were, um, you know, West End Elementary, and then they went to the middle school because, well, well, you Heather never did. got to the middle school. I was Heather the last did. graduating class of West End Middle, which went all the way to eighth grade back then. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, it was just, you know, and they, they, um, you know, we enjoyed it. The people that they played sports with, the kids they played sports with and stuff, you know, were the families were so so nice you know and it was like a, a whole not a you know it's not like you're when they were playing baseball we became family mm-hmm. all the parents mm-hmm. and all the right. you know the kids and that's the way it should be mm-hmm. you know i think yeah. um you know because they were watching out for our kids and we were watching out for their kids you know yeah. and mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't think twice about letting like tony go to spend the night with somebody mm-hmm. right you know because you knew them yeah. And they, uh, you knew they could be trusted to watch your child, first of all, you know, if they were younger. But 
Um, nowadays, I just don't think you have that mm. as much. And I may be wrong, or maybe you yeah. know. But I don't, um, I don't know yet. Yeah, we don't, yeah. We'll find. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you just <clears throat> you had that trust with them, you know, um, with these parents and stuff that they would take care of your child. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, but no, that was good. Um, I, I'm glad we grew up here and everything. And, and me personally, going to some, I went to Nashville and to Texas, and I went to Appalachian State, and I've lived in Wilmington, I've lived in other places, you know, uh, and seen a lot of places. You know, as a touring musician in Nashville, we went all the way up and down the Midwest, the South, uh, you know, the Northeast, and stuff like that. And just being in all these places, you come back here, there really isn't a whole lot that compares to it. We're very lucky to to be here. So. I'm happy that you uh, you brought us here, Ma. Uh huh. Excuse yeah. me, but um, but anyway, so let's uh, you know, we want to talk about a few things today. You know, uh, about one, I guess, you know, your faith and how it plays in, into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, my mom, is sharing a very personal story that just recently happened, and we're also thankful that she is uh, she's doing well after it. And we thought that this might be a good idea. Uh, to maybe help somebody else that might be going through something similar to this or any kind of experience that's very traumatic and, and happens mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Um, I, I personally only know one other person who's uh, a little bit younger that, that went through a similar thing to this, and uh, but it does happen, and I had no idea. As you always hear about these, like you always hear about a brain tumor, and then you don't realize that it's um, it actually can happen. You know, you hear about people having you're like oh man that's such a terrible word you know brain tumor you don't really hear about it um you know but it 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 shocked our family uh recently and um but thank god you know i'll let my mother tell a story and kind of explain what it is so for anybody else that might be uh diagnosed with this just know that there is hope and you can um you know you 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 have there are other people who do it and these surgeons especially at unc chapel hill know what they're doing and you can get in so tell us a little bit about i guess what happened and okay your your thoughts well you know how life is you're going along and everything's good Mm -hmm. you know to me i mean everything was fine and i was you know back in november I was sitting in a chair, and I was on the phone to somebody, and all of a sudden, my eyes just kind of went, I call it disorientated. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not like you're going to pass out, but you're going to fall over. So, Mm -hmm. and it lasted about five seconds. And so, I got off the phone, and I went and sat down for a little bit, and I got up, and everything was fine. You know, so, um, then about two weeks later, it happened again, and it lasted a little longer, that time so i went to the doctor um my doctor and i told him about him and he said well could just be vertigo you know everybody's heard of vertigo Mm -hmm. everybody i know has some sort of vertigo (laughs) um he said but if it happens again you know we'll just go ahead and do some other testing so and he gave me some vertigo pills which i never took you know because it never (laughs) happened again really that way well a couple weeks later in december i started having uh, tinnitus, what they call tinnitus. And this kind of tinnitus is, you know, they call it ringing in your ears. Well, I don't get ringing. I get popping sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like if you have um, drainage and stuff, it pops in your ears. Um, I had had a bout of this back in two years ago, but it was in both ears. And it was a popping sound, and it lasted about two months. And the doctor just diagnosed it as tinnitus. Um 
So, but I didn't have the next step that came after this. So I was having the tinnitus, but it was only in my left ear. So I thought that was unusual. But anyway, um, but then it kind of subsided through Christmas and stuff. But uh, Christmas Day, we went on a trip to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, and um, we um, were in an airplane. So I had to fly. Well, when I got to the the resort, it was like I was having this buzzing sound in my left ear. And whenever I had a buzzing sound, I would get disorientated really bad. You know, like I was just my head was wobbling and I was thought I was going to pass out or I was going to fall over. So um, that lasted, you know, we were there for four days. So that lasted pretty much. And then I had to fly home. Okay. Well, on the flight home, it was the same thing. About a week after that, New Year's week and stuff, I was the same way. I heard that buzzing sound. But then it would subside, and it would only be for like three to five seconds or ten seconds, actually. And then it would subside. And then, But I'd still have the popping sound. But it was only, excuse me, in my left ear. So I decided, you know, that maybe I need to go see my ENT. And... It kind of subsided again from like the beginning of January to the middle of or the end of January. And so I went ahead and made the appointment. Well, I couldn't see my ENT till about the 4th of February. So I went in on the 4th. And by that time, it started getting a little bit worse again. So he looked at me and he said, well, he said, you're only hearing it in your left ear. And I said, yeah. He said, well, it could still be tinnitus and it could be vertigo or what they call Meniere's. You know, the beginning of Meniere's disease, which I don't know what that is. But he said, we better do an MRI just to make sure there's nothing physical going on. So I thought, okay. You know, I just knew it was tinnitus. You know, I'm okay. I didn't worry about it or anything. Well, I had the MRI on Friday, and I had my follow-up Monday with the ENT. And I walked into the room, and he looked at me, and he said, you've got a tumor. And right then, you could have seen me fall apart yeah but he said it's benign it's benign it's benign Mm -hmm. and i said how do you know you know (laughs) right i mean i worked in pathology you don't know nothing until you get that piece of tissue (laughs) (laughs) and uh he said it's benign it's benign we're certain it's a certain type of tumor and it's called a meningioma Mm -hmm. okay and i thought okay so i sat there a few minutes and uh, he just you know he said he let me sit and you know and he said I'm going to send you to Chapel Hill because he said, we don't have a surgeon in Moore County that can handle something like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so anyway, he, I needed an uh, orontology surgeon, which is ear, specialized in your ear nerves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I want to show you the tumor, though. So he took me back to his office, showed me the MRI. And a meningioma is in the... It forms in the membranes that cover the brain and the spinal cord just inside the skull. Okay. So it wasn't in my brain. It was outside the brain. Mm -hmm. Okay. But um, the tumors form on three layers of membranes that are called meninges. That's why they call these meningiomas. Mm -hmm. And they're slow growing. And most of them, like 90%, are benign. Okay. That's another reason he thought, you know, he said... I had sent the MRI up to the guy at UNC that you're going to see, and he said, I'm referring you to, and he said he knows it's an M- it's a benign meningioma. He's seen many of them. Okay. 
and all most meningiomas will occur in the brain, but they can um, also grow on parts of your spinal cord. They can also grow in different areas of your body, but they're not as common as they are in the brain. Mm-hmm. And um, and most of the meningiomas they said um, are in women. They don't know why, but. Um, they said a majority of the people that get meningiomas, meningiomas are women, and these are the most common tumor. If you're going to have a benign brain tumor, it's the most common brain tumor that they experience, you know, the doctors. And they said it's the most common thing. You wouldn't believe how many people have them. Mm-hmm. And he said, furthermore, the reason yours has to come out is because it was causing problems Okay, most of the time they can be in your brain area for your whole life. And unless they grow big enough, mine was the size of a grape. Now, that doesn't sound very big, but the space between there is not very big in that water sack around your brain and the spinal cord back there. That filled my whole space back there. And that's what was causing my dizzy spells because it had um, this one started growing again. He said I could have had it five to seven years. But for some reason, it started growing, and it grew these tentacles, two tentacles off of it, one that went and wrapped around my ear nerves in my mastoid area behind my ear, which is the hearing, okay? While you were hearing the buzzing. (laughs) That's why I was getting the buzzing, and it was pressing on it and wrapping around it, you know. And then the other tentacle that went off, and it, it was pressing against my brain stem, and the nerves at the base of your brain mm-hmm. where, the, you know, it was pressing in. So that was why I had to have it removed. Um, because if I left it go, it would get bigger and bigger, and it would cause more damage to my hearing and to, and you know, my brain. to your entire, like, <clears throat> nervous system. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And my, like, equilibrium. Yeah. See? And, and your, your, your kinest- coordination. Kinesthetics. Yes. Coordination and everything there. Um, so, um, but for the most part, you know, like I said, most people have these and they don't even know it and they go their whole life because it never grows. It made me, when you said women get it more, it made me wonder if that's just because most men don't ever get them looked at and discovered. Maybe so. (laughs) I don't know. Historically, I I would feel like that would align with the way that men and women see doctors differently. Well, maybe so, you know, until it gets to the point that you have to you know but um and they said that you know that most of them people that have them they go undiagnosed because you know they don't have a problem with them you know but like i said they're common in the brain and brain area not in the brain so um and he said that um there's several classifications of a of a uh, meningioma um, mine was class one. There's a class one, two, and three. Mine was class one, which is the the benign one. You know, um, well, a class two and three can be benign, but it can turn into cancer if it's un, un you know, treated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, t- and that's more of aggressive type tumor. So, um, and the reason I know mine was a type one is because they did a biopsy when I had my surgery before mm-hmm. they took it out. They wanted to make sure what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was definitely listed as benign. And um, That seems fast. Did they do the biopsy while you were in surgery? Uh-huh. Mm. 
Yeah, they took a piece out when they got into through my skull, which I'll get to that point. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyway, that's a little bit about meningiomas. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to say that, you know, um, this was a shock to me, of course. You know, you're sitting in the doctor's office and they say you have a brain tumor. Oh, but it's benign. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that word benign to me, it really calmed me, mm-hmm. you know, because I thought, oh, okay. You know, benign. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to worry about, mm-hmm. you know. And when he showed me the tumor, it was filling that whole area. And he said, you know, you really need to see the orontology surgeon up at UNC. So he didn't say anything about a neurologist, though. Okay. Um, so he said, I've got you an appointment on Friday. This was Monday. I've got you an appointment the next Friday, that Friday of that week, with Dr. Brown, who is, I can just attest to him, he's the most wonderful ENT surgeon in the world not because he he saved me but, but just know, because because yeah. he is you know he's he's practiced many many years and he's when I got up there he made me feel at ease even though what he was telling me was scaring me to death mm-hmm. you know because he said this is um this is wrapped around your hearing nerves in the mastoid area and he said, now, we could do several different things. I could have had radiation. But he said, this kind of tumor doesn't respond good to radiation. Or we could have done a different way to access it. But he said, the best way to access where your tumor's located, which was the base of my left ear and brain area or stem, um, he said, would be to do a craniotomy. Huh. Mm. Well, when I heard that word. It was like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You and know, that's cutting through the skull. Cutting through the skull, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, going in there and pulling out this little tumor that's wrapped around all these nerves in my hearing left side. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he said, he said, I think that would be the best way to get it where we can access it the easiest <clears throat> and you might have minimal damage. So when he said that, I was, you know, going through the roof again. I'm just sitting there with my husband sitting there, and I'm just crying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he said, um, he said, but if we do it that way, I'm 90% sure we can get it all out, first of all, around your ear. And he said, the only damage you'll have is that you'll lose your hearing in your left ear. He said, that's not from the tumor. He said, it's from the surgery. Because your hearing nerves and your um, balance nerves, it was wrapped around both of them. And he had to cut them to get it off. <clears throat> and even the craniotomy part where they drill a hole in your skull and go through into where your, you know, the tumor was, he had to, um, you know, he said, I'm going to have to cut the nerves and you won't have any hearing. He said, that's just one of the effects of a craniotomy in the area that you're at. So anyway, I said, well, okay. I want you to be able to get to it the easiest way. I don't want you to have to worry about it. And I said, let's just go ahead and do that. And he said, well, okay. Now, he said, there's a cochlea nerve in your ear that's part of your hearing process. And I don't know if anybody's heard of cochlea devices. You know, if you're deaf because those nerves are are gone in your ear, the hearing nerves, um, there's one nerve that they can they have found that they call these cochlear devices where it's another electronic hearing device that they can put on the back of your head and then they have an electrode that is implanted in your hearing area in the cochlear nerve and um, it will allow you to hear okay electronically 
which I don't understand that part. It's, have you heard of it? I have the cochlea. It's called the cochlea nerve because there's a the part of the bone structure in your ear that hears that has like the resonating part is the mm-hmm. cochlea. Okay. And and I don't understand exact, I, but I I think the electronic piece is meant mm-hmm. to replicate that, and then yeah. they just use the electrode to basically bypass. They just replace what is in right. your ear with a machine, mm-hmm. and that's and then they use the nerve. They still connect to the same nerve, right? Hmm. Well, they put the implant in my head during surgery because he said <clears throat> we could do it now. If you think you want one later on, it'll be easier, you know, on you. And all we have to do is hook it up, you know, to the device out here. Huh. So he said, if you don't want it, it just lays dormant there, and there's no problem with it. Hmm. So I said, well, let's go ahead and do that. You know, so um, it'll save me a surgery later on. Is so this, he said, okay. Is this one of the things that, and you can have a piece that like kind of magnetizes on? Yes. To, oh, okay. My wife also had a, an ear, three ear, major ear surgeries when she was a kid and can't really hear out of her ear. And she just went up to Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And learned yeah. about this device as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, they, you know, I'm going to do this. I am going to get one or go to see if they, they have to review me, you know, even further mm-hmm. for this device. But I'm waiting till I heal up completely from the surgery. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, so he got good news there. You know, I'm thinking, okay, it's benign. You know, mm-hmm. he was 99%. It was benign. And, you know, I'm going to lose my hearing, but there's a chance I can still get it back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought, Okay. This will be okay. You know, yeah. no big deal. Positive on the whole. Yeah. Well, and God gave me that piece. And I'm just going to say this because I'm a Christian woman, have been most of my life. And I don't mean to cry, but it's okay. um, you know, my faith was pretty strong. Everybody's faith is strong in a time of good stuff. Mm. You know, I just thought, you know, if you'd have told me I, th- I was going to have a brain tumor <laughs> at 67 years old, I'd have said, you're crazy, mm-hmm. you know. But my faith is the only thing that got me through this. Because otherwise, I would have been a basket case mm-hmm. and probably would have had a lot harder time So dealing with all this. Because this was a life-changing event. Of course, you yeah. know, um, when I went to see the the um, ear doctor, he said, now, of course, we're going to have to have a neurologist, too. So you're going to have to have two surgeons the day of your surgery, because he said, I'm only qualified to take out the stuff around your ears. He said, the neurosurgeon will have to take the stuff off of your brain area and get the tumor out, the rest of the tumor. So I'm thinking, OK, so now I've got two doctors, you know. Um, but my faith was rattled. And, you know, you'll have that in your Christian walk. I've always heard about it, you know, and I've had some other issues in my life that shook my faith, but this really shook it, you know, because I said, how can I be having a brain tumor? God, what are you doing this to me for? Mm -hmm. You know, but everything that happened after that, you know, from the time I found out I had it till the surgery, the recovery, God has worked it out to the best situation that it could be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because 
um, when I went in on that Friday, my neurosurgeon was out of town. Okay, so he wasn't going to be back till the 21st of February. Okay, and when I first went and they said I wanted to do the surgery, they scheduled, but they had to have both of them in town at the same time at the same place. So he said, they said, well, we can get you on March 15th. Now, this was February 10th. So I had to go another month with all these symptoms, and I was at the point I couldn't drive because I was so dizzy. And and not only that, you know something. You know more. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's an element of... Torture almost. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Knowing makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And I was scared it was going to get bigger you right, know, real right. quick. And so I told the girl there when she called me in scheduling, and I said, I can't wait till March 15th. I said, I really can't, you know. And I said... I've got to have it sooner. And she said, well, they're out of town and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, And she said, you know what? She said, maybe I can switch their schedules around and maybe get you in earlier by the end of February. And I said, okay, if you would, please, please, please. So I prayed about it. You know, well, she called me that evening and she said, how's February 22nd? That was seven days. <laughs> yeah, I would have said, yeah, that sounds great. I did. I said, bless you and thank you. God, um, I said, I'll take it, you know, but then I started thinking, okay, I work full time. I had to get all my work situated and get that all fixed up. And then I had to get my personal affairs in the order because, you know, even though they said I'll be fine, this, you know, there's not going to be any problem with the surgeon. Um, they said, you know, I said, I've got to get my personal affairs in order. So I got my wills out, made sure they were updated. I, um, you know, got my life insurance policy out, you know, because my husband, bless his heart, doesn't know anything about where anything is. <laughs> okay. So I had to get all that in order. And I only had seven days, you know, mm. it's like, and you don't think about it, but it worked out, you know, so um I got the work in order. I got my personal affairs in order. And, um, you know, so then the day of the surgery came. Okay. And, Tony, you are a blessing to me because all of my – you don't know how many friends and people care about you till something like this happens. You know, of course, all my Christian friends were praying, you know. Um, but even people – and my Christian family, I go to church at Middle Cross Baptist, and all my Christian family there. All my Christian family was praying for me. And even extended, I had people praying for me in Pennsylvania, in, you know, Nevada, in, you know, Moore County, in South Carolina. I, you know, you just don't know how many people care about you. And maybe you have touched their lives in some way. And now you need that. You need it. And, you know, God brought that through to me because I could feel peace about it after I got, you know, I wasn't really nervous and I wasn't, you know, the week before. I mean, I was doing what I needed to do, but I didn't have any doubt in my mind that I was going to come through this. But maybe it's just wishful thinking, but it wasn't to me. It was God telling me, you're going to be okay. Because, first of all, he allowed me to find at this point in time in my life. And um, where I could handle the surgery physically. Mm-hmm. And then um, at work, I had enough sick time to cover all this. And it's really weird because in September, in um, 
in November, I was just looking at my sick time balance, and I said, hmm, I'll never use all that sick time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Don't say never. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I haven't used it all, but, I mean, it was enough to cover me for sick time. And then I had a disability policy, short term, that I was going to stop this year. And I thought, oh, you know, wow. I better do this short-term disability. Wow. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and I know it's God, but, you know, you could say whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had that. And then I'm old enough to be on Medicare, so I had two insurances. Okay? I have my insurance through my company, and then I have Medicare, and it acts like a supplemental. So here I am. And, you know, my bills are about 100000 right now for the surgery and everything up there. But, mm-hmm. you know – God knew that I was going to need all this, so he allowed me to find it now instead of maybe 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so I had the surgery, and Tony was a blessing to all my friends and family, too, because I gave him a list of text mm-hmm. numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, all these people want to know how I'm doing you know, for surgery. And so he... He would text, and fortunately, the nurse would t- contact him every two hours, right? Every three hours. It was every three hours to let him know how the surgery was going. Well, my surgery lasted eight hours, mm-hmm. okay? And during that time, I know Tony was, you know, he was having a hard time dealing with just me being in there yeah. and worrying, but he went ahead and made sure that all my friends and family knew what was going on, you know, and they were praying for me that whole time. So... um you know, and that meant a lot to my friends and family. It really did. And it meant a lot to me because, you know, that he would be able to do that for me. You know, he and Lloyd, my husband, were the only ones allowed in the OR, you know, waiting room. They only allowed two people up there at UNC. But anyway, um, it lasted eight hours. And, um, you know, I got out of surgery and I was good, so to speak. You know, I don't really remember anything about those that day or half the day next to it Thursday because I was coming out of anesthesia still. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I know is that the doctors came in. And um, the one thing with my neurologist, though, which I neglected to say, is that the tumor was pressing in on my um, facial nerve. Okay, And he didn't know if it was wrapped around it because he couldn't tell from the uh, MRI mm-hmm. or it was just... Um, next to it. Next to it. So he had to tell me, he said, now, you, um, he said, there's a chance that I could damage the facial nerve. And if you know people that have strokes on the left side or the right side, he said, that's your facial nerve. And he said, you could have damage there where it'll droop, it'll sag, and you won't be able to, sometimes you can't close your mouth, sometimes you can't close your eyes, eyelids, you know, it affects everything on the left side of your face. So when he told me that, you know, it was like, okay, um, you know, we're, we're just going to pray, but it's not, you know. So when I got out of there, he said, but he told me, though, my neurologist is really good. His name is Dr. Carlos David. And he said, I've been doing this a long time. And he said, I haven't lost a facial nerve yet <laughs> in 25 years. You know, now you may seem to think that's cocky, but I thought it was encouraging to yeah, me, yeah. you know, because – then you're comfortable when he knows what he's doing, and if there's any way he's going to save that nerve, he will. Right. You know, he'll be able to do it. So anyway, he, um, you know, he told me he said I had to move it off of the tumor, which caused a little bit of damage to it. 
you know, it kind of paralyzed it for a little while. He said, but in six weeks or eight weeks, he said it'll come back fully. Well, it sure has. You know, I mean, it may not be full, full, but, um, you know, I could close my eye, though, at the beginning and I could, you know, eat and close my mouth and stuff like that. So I felt very blessed there, too, you know, because it could have been a lot worse. Um, I started recovering really quickly. And I know that was God, too, and the prayers, because people were still praying for me. And all my family, you don't know how encouraging it is to get texts and emails and, you know, from people that, you know, during after the surgery. Right. You know, still wanting to make sure you're doing okay and can I do anything for you? I mean, we had dinners for two weeks after the surgery. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, so my whole family and Christian family and friends all came together for me. And that means a lot. Yeah. So, but I know God intended it to be that way. So he had a plan. He said, if I'm going to do this to you, I'm going to make a way for you to recover. And I'm not done with you yet. So, but anyway, and today's like nine weeks after the surgery. And I still have moments of fogginess is what I call them. But the neurologist said, he released me on Friday, last Friday. And he said, you know, you're going to have that a little bit, you know. But he said, by three months after the surgery, you should be back to a normal you know, your normal self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, I was never really normal to begin with. <laughs> and people that know me all know that's true. And he said, well, I can't guarantee that. But he said, you know, you should be back to normal physically. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so that's my story. Yeah. But I want to make sure that if anybody out there is in the future or is now going through something like this, you know, that they've been diagnosed with a meningioma. And I have actually talked to about five or six people that they had the, they had a family member or something that had this in the past, and um, Tony's friend that had it in the past, you know, and they went through the surgery, and they're fine today, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I've talked to a, a lot of people that have had the same thing. It was a meningioma. And it was different places in the brain, you know, than mine was. But the process to get it out, unfortunately, is you have to go through the skull to get to it. But, you know, it's something that you can do and have the hope that it you're going to be fine for the rest of your life. Now, they told me that it should not come back. Um, but I have to have an MRI every year for five years just to make sure it doesn't come back. Um, so, but like I said, you know, I just want to make sure people out there know that if they're diagnosed with a meningioma and they're going to have to go through this brain surgery and a craniotomy and it sounds so intimidating, you know, um, you can get through it, you know, if, if, you know, you can get through it, but I mean, I had the help of my faith and God, but, you know, um, you can get through it and be lead a normal life after that most of the time you know i mean it's right. not as it's not as statistically um damaging to you physically or mentally you know cuz i thought oh my gosh are they going to hit some wrong nerve in my brain and i'll be a vegetable for the rest of my life well no you know um you know i'm still in 
full capacity. Of course, Tony may say otherwise, but <laughs> you know. Um, but it's just that's why I kind of wanted to come on the show. I told him I said I like to do a podcast just to let people out there know, you know, um, that this was a, a devastating event in my life, but I'm okay. You know, and I'm getting back. You know, I could drive again. I can walk again. I mean, I can do all this stuff again. And, um, you know, it's only been nine weeks. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy, though, because yeah. it wasn't. You know, but it's, you know, anybody who has cancer or any kind of thing like that, you know, chemotherapy, it's not easy. Yeah. But, you know, the end product is that you can you can survive this and that it's, you know, something that. You know, but it sounds so intimidating, and it was. I made the mistake of reading the surgeon's report from the surgery, mm. both of them. Really? Oh, God. What they did? Oh, yeah. Mm. I didn't want to read it again. Yeah. But it just proved my faith in God that, you know, their hands were guided. Mm. And, you know, I, it just increased my faith. And my faith has gotten a lot stronger now. And my relationship with God has gotten a lot stronger. Mm. So... Um, you know, but that's just my story. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mom. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Let's give the, the full names of the doctors as well, all that were involved. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. give them. Well, Dr. Time. Carl Burke from the surgical clinic is my ENT here in Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Dr. Carlos David is the neurologist from UNC. And then um, Dr. Kevin Brown is the ENT or ontology surgery. Surgery, surgeon mm-hmm. at, at UNC. And I just like to say, you know, God put me here in North Carolina for a reason because UNC is only 45 minutes away. And I was thinking, gosh, if I live somewhere, you know, else in North Carolina that, you know, Duke and UNC, we just don't know how much we are blessed to have those colleges there and those medical people up there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some of the best I in the said, world. Yeah, and we yeah. we hear about it all the time, so yeah. you can definitely take it for granted that they mm-hmm. are. And so that worked out too. God brought me to North Carolina almost forty years ago because He knew I was going to need them. You know, mm-hmm. and so they were wonderful. The hospital mm-hmm. was wonderful. The surgeons were wonderful. You know, um, but I only had to travel forty five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. each way, but. I was thinking, God, it could be, you know, three or four hours, and, you know, my family's here, and they're, you know, I mean, it was just, it worked out. God worked it out, and that's all I can say. And Dr. Maynard, right, is your... Oh, Dr. Maynard's my primary primary doctor, yeah. And he's the one that initially... Well, he he told me to go to my ENT, Mm because he said if, you know, vertigo and stuff is your ears, (laughs) and he said they're more specialized in it. Okay. So, but anyway. So, yeah, well, uh, I'll give you a real quick kind of a little bit of uh, my experience while I was there and, and I think you know whether you believe in God or whatever that's you know that's we feel like it, it was a, a God thing um, but for me too you know I personally feel like I'm a little bit closer to my faith than I've been in a long time because I experienced this outside with you you know um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, long story short you know I, I went up to chapel we found out really quick and it all happened really quick you know yeah. um, 
from di- from finding out till surgery was what three weeks no two Four, weeks really two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just all got hit i remember i was with my, my wife and my kids at the rec room it like one of the first weeks of the rec room was there in southern pines and, and uh you know we're just with our kids and, and and um and doing all this and they're being a little they're fighting and stuff so it was kind of a stressful evening already <laughs> but then all of a sudden you know i get a call and and i could tell in her voice something was not right and then she told me you know she had a brain tumor and i was like oh my god and i just remember being in shock like sitting there you know just like what in the world and then uh you know fast forward all the stuff that she had mentioned you know the uh, surgery comes and i'm fortunate enough went up there with my dad so i could be next to him and um and be there close to her if something were to happen and she gave me her phone and a list and uh you know it's I, i can't explain that day i feel like i did have that faith too you know um it was, it was the probably the longest day of my life so far, um, yeah, you know, because it's my mother, you know, I love her dearly. And uh, and it's a serious surgery and it's eight hours long. So my dad and I, you know, I, I couldn't not be up there. So we went up to Chapel Hill with my family and stayed a few nights in a hotel. And I was at the hospital for a couple of days. And but the day of the surgery, I you know, I had a weird I was scared, but I had a weird piece, you know. And I can't explain it. You know, I was there with my dad, so that helped. And I and I hoped that me being there with my dad, too, would be – and knowing that my, my mom knew that I was there would help them, you know, hopefully a little bit. And uh, and just texting everybody, you know, the first the first two, uh, two three hours was tough because it's like you don't know what's happening. You know, you, you look on the wall, and, you, and it shows you, like, in surgery in progress, you know, or surgery prep or surgery done or whatever. And you know you're not going to see once the surgery's in progress, it's it's, it's happening, you know. And then you, you're not going to see for eight hours. You know it's an eight-hour surgery surgery done. And then at that point, you don't know what's going on until the doctor comes and tells you. And I remember just, like, counting the minutes. And, you know, the first when the first, uh, you know, checkup came from the nurse called my dad, and it was like, everything's going according to plan. I was like, oh, thank God. You know, that first three hours or two and a half hours was like – Oh, man, it was like torture waiting, you know, to see. I mean, you know, at least if they've gotten in there and they've spent two or three hours doing this surgery and nothing bad's happened yet, you know, knock on wood, that it gives you a little bit more confidence that, okay, this this is going to be all right. Well, I remember they told us every, the first one was right on the money. I think it was every two and a half hours or whatever. It was right at two hours and 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. They'll keep that same. Well, the next one didn't come. It, it was like 35 minutes after that, that time that they had told us the first one. So that whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, something's wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. Something's wrong. Because it was way later. And I was like, oh, God, oh God. You know, so that was the hardest time, that, that extra time just looking at the, the phone. You know, and then <clears throat> thank God, you know, I just knew something was wrong, you know, and thank God, you know, they finally called and said, everything's great. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so me and my dad, after that second one, after we went and got some lunch at one of the or whatever time of day it was, I don't remember, uh, at the, the one of the cafeterias there. And, and we went back up and we walked around a little bit. And UNC is just a beautiful place. And it, was, and it just so happened. This is in the middle of February. It was the most beautiful week of weather and I, I know that to be that was God's plan. You know, it was like we were, you know, Chapel Hill and in, in mid in er, mid February, it was like it was like seventy five degrees and sunny yeah. and beautiful. And I'm just thinking, you know, this was all for a purpose. And and you know, so we, we <clears throat> the last three hours were waiting or whatever it was. And you know, I just remember how hard that day was for me. And I can't imagine, you know, that day for you. Uh, and I just remember waking up that morning at like 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever it was and, you know, texting you one last time, you know, and I'm just like, oh, God, this is real. And, you know, uh, but then all of a sudden the ENT doctor and it's funny because I feel like the ENT doc surgeon was like really uh, 
and this isn't anything bad about either one of them. He was very like different type of personality, right? He was like empathetic and and like you know feelings and like this. And he was like, oh, yeah. it went great. And and she was mentioning the other doctor, the neurologist was like, oh, I got this. We're we're going to yeah. do this. You know, like <laughs> I guess you want your brain surgeon to be like a, overly uh, confident, right? Like <laughs> if, if you're going to be a brain surgeon, I guess you kind of have to be, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. I was really happy about that. But it's funny because the ENT came in and that was the first notification that we had that everything had went good and he was like oh my gosh he said it went flying colors everything went according to plan and my dad and i just hugged and i was like oh thank you thank you god you know and then about 15 20 minutes later the neurosurgeon came in and i remember making a a comment like uh so do we know for sure it's benign you know because i didn't i mean they were all saying it was, but you like you say, you never truly know until you take a sample. And he was, he was, he instantly was like, oh, he looked at me disgusted. He was like, <laughs> "Oh, I knew it was benign from the first time I saw it." And I'm like, I'm like, all right, man. Yeah. I'll, uh, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. It was like he was disgusted that I even questioned that that he was wrong, you know. And and, uh, and I just remember kind of chuckling to myself about that and thanking Jesus that he was kind of an overly confident guy. And you got to be that way, I guess, to be a brain surgeon. But then, uh, but then the one thing that was really hard is like you get all that good news and you're like yes she's okay she survived right and and now it's recovery and then they don't they and this is not a slight to UNC I mean they, they did so fantastic and I want to I'm going to be I was a Tar Heel fan sort of before this like growing up but I'll always be a Tar Heel fan the rest of my life because of what they helped my mom through and, and us and it was just a fantastic facility and the people were so great but I remember walking in right after the surgery when they about an hour and a half or two later they let us go in to the or or what is it the recovery room or the the the, the, the it's, a, it's the real serious one the oh ICU ICU yeah. yeah they put me in ICU for about five days yeah because okay. that's a serious surgery so they want to make sure there's no complications mm-hmm. and she's hooked up all these things so him and I go in there they're like okay finally you can come in there's no doctor around president or nurse or anything and uh, we just walk in and and you know it was a scary sight you know my mom was kind of mumbling and you couldn't really hear what she was saying and just bandaged saying, up yeah bandaged her whole head was yeah. Her whole oh yeah i had a big old turban on my head you yeah. know yeah i had to wear for five days pressure mm-hmm. on that side oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you could tell her head was really swollen from the surgery and she was you know she was mumbling things you know and we're just like nobody prepared us for that you know like yeah. i mean you can't really prepare anybody for that anyway but it was just like we're sitting there looking at each other like is everything okay like my heart dropped because you're thinking you're so happy and you're like yes she's the doctor said it went great and then you go in and you realize the severity of the situation like Mm -hmm. it ain't over yet you know what i mean but thank god she got through the surgery and then you know but that first you know 30 minutes you know dad was talking trying to talk to her and she just she couldn't really make out a whole lot and i just remember she was really thirsty and that's what she was trying to set she told she was trying to tell everybody that she was really thirsty but i guess there's a certain amount of time after that they can't really give you a whole lot because you could could choke on it you know because you're still coming out out of anesthesia so you might choke on it yeah so you can only imagine what she was going through like this extremely perched parched you know and like once what i mean can you imagine just wanting water and And you're just like being able to to, say it yeah not being able to really convey it you know and it's just like oh and i'm sure in a ton of pain and everything else and just disoriented but i remember that was a hard thing to see but i'm glad you know my sister you know she was like, I, I couldn't ever thank you, Tony, because I could have never done that. But, you know, and I get it and it's hard, but I'm glad I was there. I wouldn't have been anywhere else, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if I had to see something that wasn't, you know, if it would have been worse. I mean, you know, 
anyway, it just the, the my whole faith of like, wow, you know, in the last several months, I've had a lot of personal things, too, since that that have hit, you know, hard. And we talk about a lot on the show mental mm-hmm. health. And I think it's become the reoccurring theme that we are both passionate about to convey to people that. You know, mental health is important. It's good. And you have to talk about it. And that's what I love about this podcast is it's kind of came up on almost every leader or person or a business or philanthropist that we've interviewed. Mental health just keeps coming up. And and that's why I want that to be the mission of this show is like, let's meet these people. Let's talk to them. Let's see their story so that other people might be going through something similar can can feel like it can get through it before they do something Mm -hmm. else, you know. Um, like the military stuff that we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. veteran suicide is a big, big thing. And, and, you know, the podcast is, you can just click on that podcast and you don't have to tell anybody you ever did, you know? And if, and if we say that we keep promoting this mental health thing, it's okay to talk to therapists, it's okay to believe, believe in whatever faith you believe in, you know, to get you through it, you know, um, that's what we want to promote. So, um, I think it helped me to get through the following few months of other things in my life that were really hard and that we're dealing with um you know just because i had that faith that day you know and at the hospital unc chapel Hill, not knowing if my mom would survive or not and what would happen afterwards and all that and being there with my dad you know and thank god just that she that she's doing so well and she survived and, and things are good and, and um man if she if that wouldn't wouldn't have happened i probably wouldn't be sitting here so confidently about my own mental health you know and i'm not and i'm not very confident about it to be honest with you right now anyway and i don't think anybody's like overly confident about their mental health because it's constantly a state of you know a fight to keep it keep you there and that saneness you know like yeah it's a it's it's work, you know, I mean, it's, and work is not necessarily a bad thing or sometimes work is easier than others, but it is a, or I guess the word I'm looking for is it's a practice. Mm-hmm. You have to keep practicing mm-hmm. it and keep, keep up with it. And that's what helps you do it again. Then, you know, it's, it's something mm-hmm. that you practice and, and that practice and reinforces it. Mm-hmm. the action or the effort or the whatever you do to help yourself with that mental and like faith is a practice too mm-hmm. you know if you don't practice it you can yeah. it, you can find it hard mm-hmm. to continue to practice it yeah i just want to say one more thing mm-hmm. um you know i had found a ring online about six months ago that said faith over fear and I thought, you know, that's pretty good. I like that. I'm going to get that ring. And I had worn that ring this whole ordeal. And, you know, a lot of times mental health is based on, like, if you have no hope, which is where my faith came in, my faith was that I have hope and I'm overcoming the fear of what's happening that I'm going to be okay. You know, but a lot of people don't have that faith or they don't have anything to give them hope, you know, that they're going to be okay. So that ring, I still work now. And I, you know, every time I got some news, you know, that I didn't think was, you know, during my recovery or something, or I had a pain in my head and I thought, oh my God, it's leaking, you know, right. <laughs> or something. Um, I just put my finger on that ring and I just, you know, pray and I say, okay, God, faith over fear, you know, and he would give me that faith or he would give me that hope, you know, it's going to be okay. 
So, I mean, that's just my, and that's become my verse. It's not really a verse in the Bible, but they tell you, fear not, mm-hmm. you know. So, but me, it's like, that's my that's my verse for the rest of my life. Yeah, it, you know? it's a it's a in other words, it's a mantra that you have now. And right. you know, we I was talking to my brother in law um, after my stepmom's funeral about faith and about you know, and it doesn't have to be a Christian faith. It doesn't right. have to be that you. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it doesn't even have to be that you are um, that you go to God or a God or whatever, if you have faith in something that you Mm -hmm. see as absolute maybe or that is all, that is no matter what, that is, Mm -hmm. and that that is something that you can put your faith into, Mm -hmm. that is a very powerful mental mental health it's beneficial to mental health and to a lot of things. I mean, there are studies about prayer and the bene- the health benefits of people in prayer. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting from a scientific perspective, let alone a mental health the the benefits of mm-hmm. of it from mental health mm-hmm. and yeah. just all overall well being. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think of. My faith is being a religion, you know, because there's so many right. different types. Right. Thank you. That's my a good... faith is a relationship with my what I consider God. Yeah, mm-hmm. your understanding of what and God it's my is. relationship with Him, and that's where all my faith is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not in going to church. I mean, you should go to church. I mean, that's why I believe. But you know, it's not practicing religion. It's my faith comes from my relationship with my God, and my God happens to be, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. That's what I believe in. So anyway, but and the, you know, and that's the, true. And the practices that you uh-huh. that surround that faith, right? For some people, going to church mm-hmm. religiously in a religious right. setting—that's what helps them practice their faith. But well, and it could helps just them be... learn about their faith, supposedly, mm-hmm. you know, or what they believe in. Yeah, you know, yeah, further so. learn about yeah the the structure of right. that belief, but also just prayer. You know, right. you, you could just have a practice of prayer, mm-hmm. daily prayer, and you don't even have to go to church. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're, you're establishing a relationship with your, you yeah. know, what, what, what you believe is or what your, your higher faith power is. In. is. Right. Some mm-hmm. people yeah. will use the term higher power. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, and then, like I said, I have seen so many answered mm-hmm. prayers, even not only this situation, but in my lifetime with other situations. I've seen so much answered prayer that it's hard for me not to believe. You know mm. that there is a higher power out there. Yeah, that it's you not know. just all random. You know, it's not just random. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, no, I believe it. One event can uh, can spark a whole different path. You know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was with when my first cousin Matt Barnes passed away. You know, I, my whole high school 
in college and just about after that i was trying I, I was still really hard like trying to find myself like I, I didn't know what i wanted to do when i went to appalachian state i didn't graduate i was there for like four years but i didn't graduate well but we I, won't get to that story <laughs> yeah, i'm still in debt up to my eyeballs for it but uh but no i even then i, I remember I, I i guess it made me good at kind of uh being a chameleon you know like i i had different sets of friends that from all different walks of life because I had seen I'd, I'd been lucky enough to go and see all these things but but I still didn't know who I was at all like mm-hmm. I had no idea after college I was like what am I who am I what am I going to do I know we pl- I played guitar since I was 14 and I really enjoyed music and all that and then I had a couple of friends you know Ru- Justin and Ryan Harris with McKenzie's Mill who we've interviewed before um, and they, and Justin was just like let's just move to Nashville and I'm sure my mom was super thrilled about that like I dropped out of school and went to Nashville <laughs> to, to be famous um, but she supported me and that and and i know that i am very lucky that my dad and my mom are together for one because i know it's a it's a very difficult world out there and um you know they they've been together for a long time they tried to raise us is to be kind and and hard working either even though it was very hard for you because when i was a kid i was not i would not clean up my room as much or do those things but <laughs> and, and but I, but it, it instilled in me when i became an adult and got mature that I was like, oh, okay. So now I know those things because they kind of try to drill it into us when we're young. But at the same time, I wish I, I probably gave them a lot of crap, you know, when I was a kid. But but anyway, it, you know, all this because it, it just made me who I am. But when my first cousin passed away, he was a musician. We were the only ones that played music really in the family. And um, I learned guitar because I saw how cool it was when he was doing it. And uh, And when he passed away... He was thinking about moving to Nashville with us. He was in the Marine Corps uh, Reserves, and, and so he had to be in North Carolina for another like year or two. But he had talked about moving there with us after he got out. Well, he ended up passing away, unfortunately, in a car accident you know, in 2007. But after that, I, I remember I played music with these guys, with everybody, but I was really shy still, and I wasn't really confident in who I was. And I, I didn't sing at all. Like I was scared to death to sing any, anywhere. But I did a tribute album for him, uh, for him, and I sang a couple of songs that we used to do all the time and recorded it, and I gave printed a 1,000 copies and gave it to a bunch of friends and family. And people were like, you know, you, you really – you know, you sound good. You should start singing more. And that gave me the confidence to do it. Fast forward all this. I spent, you know, a better part of my adult life playing music for a living. Well, for broke first and then for a living. <laughs> but it, it, it gave me the confidence to go out and sing, you know, when he passed away, when I did that and he passed away. And it, as tragic as it was that he passed away, it like kicked me in the ass, you know, like it made me think like I need to do, I, like there's I don't need to be afraid of singing. Like, there's, there's real life out there. You know, this is what I want to do. And I love it, you know, and I'm passionate about it. And so I, I tried it, you know, and that that first instinct of like finding out who I was was you know really was i was pushed by that that terrible event you know and i and i wish he was still here today and this is not me being thankful that he, he isn't it's just that you have to have faith and to look at things a certain way that it's not woe is me like you have to and it's hard not to and i'm and knock on wood i hope i don't get dealt a whole lot more this year um that i've been dealt but you have to look at, you have to be able to try to find a way to look at it in a positive light and to not just going crawl in a corner and die you know you have to keep that fight and that's what sort of gave me you know it was a terrible event and then i started that and now it's helped me um mentally with every change in my life and all these things that i used to be a shy kid you know and now i'm out here doing a podcast i'm playing music in front of people all day long i'm you know i'm a real estate agent i talk to people all the time you know i'm I'm recording songs and you know all this is because it gave me that confidence eventually to, to be like you know what i'm gonna pursue 
whatever I want to get my hands on and try to pursue it because I'm not, you only live, I mean, life is short, you know, and you can't be as as scared as we all are in certain situations, you know, you have to try to mentally figure out how to overcome it. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. So, um, but it helped me, you know, all these things I'm going through now, it's like, gives me, it gave me, um, help going through these other personal issues recently after she had her surgery because my mom got through it. And that faith that I had that day at the hospital, you know, it, it was just, it was weird. I can't explain. I just felt like it was going to be okay. You know, and that, and I didn't know I could ever feel that way, get through something like that. And, and that I did, it gave me confidence. Okay. I can get through these next really hard months, you know, and, and I've, we've gotten through it and there's some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and just hold on, you know, hold on and, and try to mentally just, keep every minute you know like win the minute you know what i mean and you can't win the day when you first are going through something really hard and you can attest to this you can't win the day instantly when you're when you get shocked and your whole system gets shocked you have to try to focus on winning the minute like literally because it's tough yeah staying present is hard because you want to find the end you want to be at the end of it but Mm -hmm. sometimes that seems so far away that it it becomes more challenging to think about it like that mm-hmm. but, but when that's all it deals with having hope yeah mm-hmm. you know you have that hope i'm gonna make it through mm-hmm. and you know i understand when people don't have that hope you know mm-hmm. um why they you know can't make it mm-hmm. right and depression so, is a real thing too and so it is, a lot, it's yeah. chemical a lot of yeah. times too yeah. so you can't even that person that's experiencing it, you know, they, there's no way for them to get out of it immediately. You know, it has yeah. to be winning the minute and, and mm-hmm. focusing on the well, it's, what you can. It's and it's interesting that it can, it is chemical and can become chemical. You know, the depression, the feelings mm-hmm. of depression can develop and then become more serious due to chemical imbalance that can occur as time goes on. But it's the same. Like I said, it was so fascinating about prayer. Is that it? It can counteract that chemical imbalance. Right. Mm-hmm. It creates a different chemical, almost a chemical mm-hmm. balance, maybe. And I now I'm I'm gonna want to look at the the study again. But it's interesting the brain chemistry that happens in people mm-hmm. through prayer. Oh yeah, it's just it, it is a fascinating, and that's you know that's one of those being present, momentary mm-hmm. things that can can allow you to win that minute to win that mm-hmm. moment and to make it through just f- further just get further and just uh you know the mm-hmm. prayer or a mantra you know if somebody's not uh christian or if they don't call whatever they do prayer just having a mantra that can give you hope and faith right in something that is a higher power mm-hmm. that will last, that will yeah. be there for you, and the other side mm-hmm. can all do that. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and seeing my mom's faith, like even though I knew she was scared, she she didn't. She tried real hard not to let us know that she was, you know, because that's yeah, what moms, that's what moms, do, moms you know? do. That's right. And but she was just so so strong through it, you know, and just even the night before surgery, when we went up to Chapel Hill. And, it wasn't the Ronald McDonald House, but it's similar. What was it? The uh, it's called the Claire McLean House. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So they were staying there, and and the night before we went out into the little garden area, you know, right, you know, and uh, she was just. I could tell she just, even though she, I knew she was scared. She had this peace about her, you know, and the only thing that you can attribute that peace to was was God, you know, and and I saw it, and it affected me, 
and I was raised, you know, they raised us in, in the church and all that. But, you know, I've I've faltered over the years and gotten away from my faith and all that. And even though I'm not, you know, I don't go to church as often as I really should should. But at the same time, I feel like my, my, my relationship with who I believe to be my God, you know, is I think gotten a lot stronger by seeing your strength through it. You know, so you went through this exactly for a reason that God put you there to go through it, to show me and the people around you that, that the strength that he gave you. And that's what forms an, an, an alliance with God, you know, with more yeah. people and gets, maybe it saves some souls, you know, you just never yeah. know. So, mm-hmm. so thanks mom for coming in. It's really, sure. Excuse me. Really fun to um, talk to you. And um, you know, especially about the, uh, some of the memories. I'm glad we didn't talk about a lot of the more embarrassing <laughs> ones, but uh <laughs> another time <laughs> okay we could uh, yeah. do that I'd love to yeah. tell more county about tony barnes <laughs> i was thinking um of this time when you spoke about the pond and you know how yeah. there we had a creek and one time that it was dead of winter it was frozen over and my friends and i went down with golf clubs and we were breaking holes in the ice because it's fun and i fell into the frozen oh creek. my gosh yeah and had to walk back in the through the snow, soaking wet. Oh, no. I couldn't. I don't know what that must have been like for my parents. I've never asked them about. It. Actually, maybe they weren't even there. Oh, I've cut. I cut myself really badly one time when a babysitter was home too. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, all the things. I remember we had we we didn't talk about a lot of them. We had we had BB gun fights and and oh, yeah. the Ooh, we never had a BB gun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's some things I still don't know. <laughs> while we were gone, you're better off not yeah, knowing. That's about. right. That's right. I, and you know, I I get an inkling of them every once in a while at family dinners. You know, <laughs> Heather's still the one that tells me about. Oh these yeah, things. she's still t- she's still running her mouth. <laughs> but it's like okay, uh, too much information. I really it's over it's over and. Done. God yeah. saved you. We're good. Yeah, I don't, right. don't want to. I wouldn't. I, now that I have kids, I don't want to know. I mean, I want to know if it's happening, and hopefully, I can fix it, like in high school or whatever. But, but then again, you know, as long as they survive, and later on down the road, I hope my kids don't tell me what they did. I don't want to know. That's just <laughs> yeah. it's like like dagger, like in the wound, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you still get that same clench around your heart when you, even though you know it's safe and and it's past that mm. that. Just oh yeah, instant reaction still it's happens. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. Like I said, I don't know how Heather survived. Yeah, well, she's a lot tougher for it. <laughs> she is. Yes, I can say that much. She, I, I wouldn't mess with my sister. She probably will, will would beat me up. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not afraid to say it. She's a strong woman. So, mm-hmm. you know, and she'd beat you up just because. Just, just yeah, just because. Yeah. yeah, we made her tough. That's right. why. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Mom, for being here. You're welcome. Thanks, Matt. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank yeah. you for coming. Okay. And for yeah. being willing to open up and yes. talk about mm-hmm. it. Yes. Very yeah. important to do that. Yeah. And I'm glad we could do it. Hopefully it helps somebody. So if you're really you know, going through something similar or just a traumatic event, you know, um, just know that you can get through it. And stories like this, hopefully they'll will help people. So And tell somebody. You yeah. Know, talk I about know it. you told Tony mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, then and then he was there for you. Yeah. <laughs> was yeah you know, talk about it you know talk to somebody because they're going to be there for you yeah mm, definitely so if you, yeah if you feel like you're alone mm-hmm. tell somebody and then they'll be there with you yeah absolutely um and you may not think you have anybody but even if you don't there's you know there's nothing wrong with a th- talking to a therapist just the the art the act of talking to anyone about your 
troubles, I feel like it does bring a weight off your shoulders a little bit, you know? I can attest to that yeah. from my grandfather's passing. I, yeah, it changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I was not doing well and then talking about it and that helped me mm-hmm. get through and mm-hmm. helped me get to a point where I could deal with it better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, yeah. we certainly appreciate you listening out there and, uh, you know, Frankie, Frankie D., Frankie D. Tony B. Tony B. Barbara B. 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 Mom. Double B. That's <laughs> great. So you're here with Frankie D, Tony B, and Double B. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, y'all, for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Out. Out. <laughs>